Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So the Women's Football Podcast, yes it is back and I am joined once again by Alejandro Diago. How are things? Hi Angelina, how are you doing? It's everything fine here, enjoying the sun. Yes, there is sunshine in Berlin. Times are changing and I think times are changing weather-wise for our other guest, we have got Emily Wilson back with us. How are things as life in general and the weather? Uh, yeah, everything's going good over here, Angelina. Thanks again for having me on. And nice to see the Canadian snow has disappeared. So it's uh, spring weather over here, so it's a nice time. Yes, fingers crossed it shall not return for many, many months for you. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, let's just get straight into um, the news. It's been a busy, busy week in women's football. And I think the biggest news is, of course, the sacking of Jean-Luc Vasseur. Um, of course, he was Leon's manager. He was let go after Leon's five-year reign as European champions was ended by PSG. Um, Leon said that the move to replace him came after discussions, and I quote now, discussions to find the necessary mechanisms to allow the team to successfully finish a season that has been played in difficult circumstances. So, Emily, what's your reaction to this? Is this the right choice to uh, to hoist him out or a little bit harsh? I mean, when the news first broke, to be honest, I was a little bit shocked. Um, me, personally, I think it's a bit harsh. Uh, Vassar played a role in that UCL reign that helped them get the fifth Champions League title so I mean what more can you ask for really he kept that tradition going but you know there always comes a time where you will lose um, whether it's in the league in the Champions League whatever it may be so it might be kind of a changing of the guard in my opinion you know a lot of clubs whether we're talking um, in the French League specifically or in the Champions League a lot of the clubs are getting stronger and overall that's better for women's football because you're having tougher competition come in and challenge really dominant sides like Lyon who had those um, back to back to back to back to back the five different titles Um, so now they're you know they're having the ability to challenge Lyon so I think it was just a matter of time before you know they were kind of be handed a taste of their own medicine but I don't think um the decision to see him leave um, might have been the best idea. I don't know. I find it personally a bit harsh because how can you get mad when I guess the overall game is getting better? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that one because I was kind of thinking it's not like it's been some horrific, horrific season and they were completely, you know, humiliated in the Champions League by a, a side mm-hmm. that they 100% should have beaten or something I like you say, he has consistently kind of been ticking the boxes. And I guess the one time that there's been a slight wobble, um, it's like, right, see you later. Um, So (laughs) I I definitely agree. I mean, the club has come out and discussed how, of course, Ada Hegberg has not played this season alongside other absences, like, again, apologies with my pronunciation, but, you know, the absences of the likes of Grish Mabot, Sarah Gunn, Oh, I'll try again. Sarah, Gunnarsdottir, uh, um, Damaris, Egorola, um, as, you know, other key factors kind of behind their inability to dominate this season. So Alejandro, what do you think it is? Is it that the manager wasn't good enough or that they've had some bad luck with injuries? Because I'm, I'm a little bit confused in that they're saying they need a new manager to go down a different path, but then they're also 
kind of crying out and saying, oh, but we've had loads of injuries. That's why things haven't been great. Really, me, I was also surprised when Olympic Lyonnais com uh, communicated the sacking of uh, Jean-Luc Basser because uh, you, if there is no reason to sack that coach, you have, you have won the champions nine months ago, uh, to yeah. be honest, really. It's so strange, so weird. And, okay, we, you can agree or disagree on, 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 the, on, the, on the way he, watches, he sees the game, but I think I, it was it was a bit uh, a bit a bit on a rush and even on, on a season that it's been so complicated like that. Uh, we need to remind it's been a season where coronavirus has changed everything. Uh, has changed everything. Also, players have to play more and more games in a reduced space of time. So um, it's it's for me it's very complicated the sacking of uh, Jean Luc Basser. And if I if I need to make a comparison with men's football, I will say this has been like Hansi Hans, Hansi Flick departures from Bayern Munich mm. because both both coaches they came after winning the Champions League and they are going to leave the club. It's yeah. So 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 strange and and we will see what how the situation evolves and if we understand why uh, Jalik Basar was sacked. Definitely. It will be interesting to see if there is more to this story because it does kind of feel like there is. Um, Leon's new coach is Sonia Bonpastor. Um, she's Francie's former captain and the first woman to coach the team. Um, she has previously had a role as kind of an academy director of the club. Emily, what do you make of her appointment? Because I guess technically she's not actually coached a big side before as much as she's worked with Leon she's not actually been a coach of one of these big teams before yeah you know what Angelina I kind of think the same thing as you um I mean an internal move is always a smart move you know she's been part of the club first as a player um and then like you mentioned she came in with the academy director role so having someone internal that can help the club get back to where they want to be as quickly as possible that's always a positive but um yeah, it's going to be a big task um, for her coming in, especially if Lyon have high expectations, like we've seen with the sacking of Vasseur. So, um, you know, she was in the director role for eight years. Um, I'm interested to know what exactly um, that role, like what she did within that role, because eight years is a long time. That's a lot of ins and outs at the club, just from a like a manager level. So... We'll have to, it'll just be a waiting game, I think, but um, it'll be definitely a big task. But I think going internal for them would be better than looking externally for another coach to take over. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And it's, yeah, I, I just find it is very strange. I mean, no disrespect to her because she could be an absolutely phenomenal coach and we've just not seen it yet. Um, And, and I really hope that is the case. Um, But you know, and, and it's, I guess, brave of her to an extent to take on this role. She could, could potentially be opening herself up to a lot, you know, of maybe criticisms and things and comparisons. And especially at this time, I just, it's so strange at this time that, you know, they could still win the league. You know, it's still possible. Um, and to just kind of mix things up now, I've... I just don't know if it leaves them in a good position. Um, obviously, Vasser's got a lot of experience as a coach and has achieved so much with Leon, and I really hope that that never gets forgotten. Um, 
Alejandro, where do you see him coaching next if he stays in women's football? I mean, Arsenal are, are looking for a manager. Well, now uh, women's football business, uh, it has a lot of opportunities. And I think Jean-Luc Basser can take, I think, one some of the best bench, benches in Europe. You say Arsenal, they are looking for a manager. They want to make a big rate again as, as they were some years ago. But I can I can I can even see him coaching in Spain. Why not? Let's see how the future departs. Because, for example, after after this uh, this season, uh, maybe we'll see many changes in the benches of Spanish league Iberdrola. Mm. Uh, we don't know, for example, maybe we don't know if in if on if in Real Madrid bench David Aznar will continue. Uh, I think that all the all the information they are saying that. He will continue in ninety percent of the cases. But for example, if uh, Real Madrid wants to make a, a a brand new team and put new names, I don't know if uh, maybe the experience with David Aznar is over. So in case, I think your Luke Basser can be a good coach for Real Madrid. Definitely, um, and I've, and like you say, I don't think he's going to be uh, short of of offers, shall we say? I mean. Prior to his departure, which I think makes it even worse, Leon bounced back really well um, from that Champions League exit um, with a 5-0 victory over Guingamp. Um, Emily, do you think that this was a statement to show that despite what's happened um, since, um, but at the time it was a statement to kind of show that they are really focused on the league now? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's quite a way to bounce back when you win 5 nil. Um, and I mean, I was looking at the score sheet there and all five goals came from different scores too. There was one own goal, but you know, they're coming together as a team and using the depth in their squad to make sure that, you know, in the very last competition that they have up for grabs, they're not looking to drop any more points. And mm. that huge meeting with PSG is coming up very quickly. Um, so yeah, 100%, I think they're very much focused on the league. And now with the coaching change as well, it'll be Interesting to see if um, anything dips, but I think they're going to be coming um, pretty hot out of the gates. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, like you mentioned, Leon managed uh, four of the goals by four different goal scorers, which I always love to see. As much as I do like a hat trick here and there, I do love it when you see four different goal scorers. Um, but yeah, a, a brilliant result for them. Alejandro, who was your, who was your, Maybe what was your goal of the match, or maybe who was your player of the match? Very difficult choice, really. Very difficult choice mm. because after after last last weekend match, we saw that Olympic Lyon is a team that it was hurt in in her pride, and they and they wanted to show that they have still talent, they have still quality, and if this season has been a disappointment in terms of not fighting for Champions League, I'm sure they will be back, but. Uh, that for a, a, a favorite player, I will I will go personally, and I will say Katarina Macario. Yeah, maybe is she's one of uh, of the rookies of the year. She's one of the reasons why Olympic Lyonnais has a very promising future, and I think we will see her leading the team as leading the U.S. women's national team soon. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, with. The Champions League exit, which, you know, like we've we've spoken about, of course it will have hurt. Um, and with this ridiculous managerial change in this situation, of course, Leon have until May 29th to kind of get their act together and to be ready to meet PSG again. 
Emily, what are their chances of a victory, do you think? Because that would be a massive victory, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. That's going to be a title decider for sure. Um, to be honest, though, I'm kind of split down the middle. You know, I think both sides are going to come into the game knowing it's a do or die 90 minutes just because of how close things are in the table. You know, for me, Lyon will have the physical advantage because they're not playing any additional games compared to PSG. Um, but then on the other hand, I think PSG might have the mental advantage. You know, they've beaten Lyon twice this season, mm -hmm. knocking them out of the UCL. So we'll have to see. Um, I think it's just going to come down to whether PSG can put up enough of a challenge against Lyon, given that, you know, they have the semifinals, the second leg semifinals coming up, and then the finals also on, I think it's May 16th, I believe. Mm -hmm. So it's just a few days before. So we'll have to see, you know, if their energy levels can keep up. But with the league title being the last thing on the line for Lyon and the last thing that they're aiming for, they're definitely going to give it 110%, if not more. So I think they have a chance of winning, but I don't see PSG giving up too easily given what's ha already happened in the season either. So kind of 50-50 for me. I'd probably say the same. It's going to be one of those games that I think we're just not going to even know maybe until these teams actually walk out on the pitch. Um, but yeah, some some interesting stuff going on in France and it will be interesting to see how Leon do and obviously good luck to their new manager. Um, Travelling over to England now in the Women's Super League, Manchester United, my poor, poor Manchester United, are doing everything that they can to keep up with Arsenal as they desperately seek that third place finish. Um, We'll look at United and Arsenal, start off with United. Um, they got a comfortable 4-1 victory over Spurs. One massive positive for United was, of course, that Kristen Press returned to the side after injury. And you know what? She had a great game. Um, she missed a chance in the third minute um, when put through on goal. She provided the pass for Kirsty Hansen's cross for Ella Toon's opener. And then, of course, got a goal herself. Um, you know, she really seemed to influence the game from the first whistle, in my opinion. Um, and it was great to see, as at times in the past, she hasn't looked 100% her best. Alejandro, do you think that the real Kristen Press has now arrived? Yeah, really. I think if Kristen Press can has if if Kristen Press can can keep the level she she showed last last March day in the remainder of the season, I think Man United can have even more chances to qualify on that third position. You were going to celebrate if, yes <laughs> if if you get at the at the end of the season really. Uh, I was re reviewing Casey's strong quotes after the game. She was uh, claiming and, and celebrating Christian Press calling the best performance of the season. Mm. And she was completely right because really having a player of, of, her, of her quality on a top level uh, displaying a game, uh, that kind of game for Manchester United, it's the best news the Red Devils they can have now. Yeah, definitely. And it, it will be... It must be a massive boost to the team. I know definitely to the fans um, because we've not really managed to see enough of her yet. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what else happens and if she can maybe help us get that third spot. Um, I mean, looking at Spurs, we've spoken about Spurs before on the podcast. Um, they didn't provide much in the game, if we're being honest. Now, Spurs still need one more point to be certain of avoiding relegation. Although, should Bristol City fail to win either of their last two games, they will be assured of a place in the top flight next season. I'm pretty confident that they will be in the top flight. I don't think they're going to get relegated. But, Emily, if things don't change with Spurs next season, 
do you think that they could actually be at risk of maybe slipping further down the table? Because we, we don't really seem to be getting much from them at times. I mean, unfortunately, yeah, I think that might be, you know, a harsh reality coming up next season. Um, there's lots of areas that the Spurs squad needs to develop before they can comfortably, you know, stay in the top flight. But, I mean, looking in terms of next season, they're going to be looking, I'm assuming, to boost every aspect um, of their squad. Because I was looking at some of the stats and just in the Women's Super League, you know, they've only had three clean sheets since the start of 21 or mm-hmm. sorry, 2021. And we're almost in May now. Um, so that's quite a stat. And then on the attacking side of things, most of their games, it's they just score one goal or possibly none. Um, so, I mean, in terms of defense and attack, they're going to be looking to boost the squad and give themselves a lot more to work with next season. So hopefully they can do that and uh, not slip out, but it'll be uh, a season full of changes, I'm predicting. I definitely agree. I think it will be really interesting to see how they how they move in the summer and, and what will happen next season. Um, I mean, Ella Toon, um, I have got to, you know, give her her props. She managed two goals for United. You know, she's got nine goals for the Reds this season. She made her debut for England this year against Northern Ireland. And I have to rep Ella Toon because she is from a place that is probably about 10 minutes away from where I live back in Manchester. So, you know, she's she's doing her stuff and I'm proud. Um Alejandra, do you think that she could be considered for that Olympic team that we discussed last week? Or do you think perhaps looking at some of the attacking players that uh, they could possibly have in that team, she's maybe just one for the future for Team GB or for England? Uh, why not? Why not consider her for the Olympic team? It will be so so nice to see a player of his youth and quality playing on a big event like Olympics. Mm. But if if she doesn't if she doesn't go to Tokyo, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't worry because maybe she will be su- su- for sure in the next Euro next year. Yeah, I I agree. I think. I think it would be great to see her, um, but looking at some of the other players, I'm, I'm not too sure. But like you say, if she carries on the way that she's playing, I think she's definitely one for the Euros. Um, so yeah, uh, well done to my team, Manchester United. But of course, it was not enough to get that third spot because Arsenal maintained their spot in that third place as they edged past Brighton for a sixth straight Women's Super League win. They, of course, won two goals to nil. Now, looking at their opposition... Brighton have already managed wins over Chelsea and Manchester United in a really impressive run of six wins in seven. And they did start the game really, really confidently. Emily, do you feel like they maybe deserve to get something out of the game or am I just reaching because I'm being petty? (laughs) I mean, as much as Brighton has frustrated some of the top clubs, I mean, like you just mentioned, I think Arsenal were always heading into that match and, Mm. you know, eyes on the prize. We're taking these three points. Um, Like you said, Angelina, there's lots of pressure just because United played earlier on and had taken over the third UCL spot. So there was no chance that the Gunners could drop any points at all. Um, You know, in the beginning, I think Brighton, you know, like you said, they came out quickly. They worked well to limit Arsenal to two goals over um, the entire 90 minutes, which was good. And they also shut down Vivian Miedema a lot, which is hard to do. Um, But looking at, at the statistics of things, you know, they only had three shots compared to Arsenal's 16 Mm -hmm. and only just 28% possession by the end of the match. So I can, you know, for me, I just think Arsenal came to play, but I'm not trying to dub down um, Brighton's performance at all. Um, I just think, you know, the Gunners had a game plan and then they 
knew it was no choice but to execute it perfectly. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that one. I think, um, I think you know, props to them. They they did as best as they probably could against you know this Arsenal team that we're seeing at the moment. I mean, they did what was needed to dig deep and get the win at the end of the day, which is exactly what you want to see from teams that are battling at the moment at this stage in the league. Um, Alejandro, do you think that this quality is kind of what's setting Arsenal apart from teams like Manchester United is that they have been able to dig deep sometimes when other teams have not? Uh, yeah, of course, really. Arsenal, uh, women's has the team, has a very competitive uh, leitmotiv and, it's, and they are showing it every time they can. We are seeing that this title for the third place is being very tight, it's, been, it's going to be a, it will not decide until the last match day, I suppose. And Arsenal is going to fight for anti, to get the last their, their spot uh, until the last minute and until uh, until the last play. So really, and I trust Arsenal is going to give us a lot of show and a lot of good times to watching them fighting for getting into next season Champions League. Yeah, de- definitely. And I think they do, you know, they really do have that mentality, a mentality that's been built up you know, over so many seasons of success, I think it's just really in their kind of ethos as a club. I mean, Jordan Nobbs, she got the two goals um, for Arsenal. Emily, what have you made of her this season, especially after recovering from that awful injury she got? I think it was back in 2019. Yeah, I mean, I think she's done really well. You know, that Arsenal squad, um, plenty of depth, lots of players that um, they can rely on. But Nobbs, you know, coming back, I think when I looked it up, she was out injured for almost 300 days yeah um and that's that's just incredible one just to overcome it and then two to overcome it and be such a vital player for the squad um and even on the international scene as well um being canadian obviously i watched the match between the lionesses and canada just a few weeks ago and you know knobs played the full 90 minutes um and i remember just watching and being like she's popping up all over the pitch and you know frustrating my canadian side which is fine but um it's just it's really great to see her back to her best and i think she's going to be sort of arsenal's utility tool as they try to chase the last champions league spot so great to see her back at her best yeah it's great to see when players come back from those kinds of injuries 100 percent um Now, you know, speaking of managers, as I touched on before, we know that Arsenal's manager will be departing at the end of the season. I haven't spoken to either of you you about it on the podcast. So um, I'll start with you, Alejandro. What were your thoughts on his resignation and where could you see him maybe coaching in the future? Uh, It's going to be a very different Arsenal since uh, when when Joe Montemuro leaves. Is going to is going to leave a, a, a huge void in in Arsenal. He has developed a very nice team, a very funny team to watch. It it went one step ahead since Pedro Martinez Losa made this wonderful Arsenal, this champion Arsenal, and it's uh, I'm expecting to see which Arsenal is going to be the next one. But I think it, it will all depend if Arsenal gets into Champions League or not. It will all depend about how they perform at the end of this season and how Arsenal they will grow for next season with knowing if they play in Champions League or if they don't play in Champions League. Yeah, definitely. Um, Emily, what what was your reaction to his resignation and could you maybe see him coaching anywhere else in the future? I think a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it, we were talking about maybe Italy as he does have um, family ties there perhaps. What were your thoughts? 
Um, I mean, I have to agree there with uh, Alejandro and what he said. You know, Montemiro's done immense things for this side, and hopefully if they can get that Champions League spot, they'll be leaving on good terms. Um, and ideally, that would be the best thing for a coach that's done so much for the club. But in terms of coaching and looking at the future, to be honest, I'm not sure if we'll see him back in the coaching scene just yet. Mm. Um, so, you know, I don't really have a specific place on my mind, but... Um, Maybe yeah. the next coach of of Australia after the World Cup? Perhaps. That's, that would be a smart move. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I didn't even think of that one. That was a good one. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think I, I agree with you, Emily, that it'll probably take a little bit of a break because he seemingly kind of hinted at the idea that he wanted to spend more time with his family, etc. cetera. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, and, I mean, finishing on football uh, in the UK, massive, massive news that Farrah Williams will be retiring at the end of the season. You know, she's 37 years of age. She is England's most capped player on 172 caps. Um, you know, she is such a massive... And can I say England's most capped male or female? Um, an absolute legend of the game. Um, I mean, she was an award, awarded an MBE in 2016. You know, we've seen her at Chelsea, Charlton, Everton, Liverpool, Arsenal, Reading, etc. Um, and yeah, she's just been oh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal person to kind of represent women's football, I think. Um, and I just wanted to get, you know, some of your reactions maybe on, on her retiring. I'll start with you, Alejandro. Really, uh, Farah Williams is a kind of player that we will miss every, every time because he was one of the fighters that they have made bigger this is this uh, women's football yeah she has been one of the uh, stars of England national team during years and years and she will be of course she will be missed for everyone uh, I'm I'm thinking about uh, which kind of player could I compare her maybe uh, maybe I'll say Veronica Boquete mm. Veronica Boquete that it's also a veteran for Spain She's still, she has still football. She's playing so well football. We saw last weekend on the Coppa Italia where she qualified Milan for the final. But when she, when she, when she decides to put her career to an end, we will be very sad in Spain because she was, she has been a historical player as Farah Williams is. So, yeah, def definitely, I agree. What about you, Emily? Uh, yeah, I mean, the same thing over here for me, you know, even for those who don't watch women's football as much as they do men's football, you're going to know the name Farrah yeah. Williams. It's That's just, without a doubt, you will. And, you know, a lot of people rarely get the chance to play for their country, period, but to do it 172 times and also just to have the longevity of a 20-year career, um, that's just for context. That's my entire life. I'm only 22. <laughs> so it, that's just an immense like an immense career. It's hard to put it into words, really. But, you know, a very crucial figure in terms of growing the game. And, uh, yeah, definitely a sad moment. But also, you know, you get to reflect and look back at her career. And it's been incredible. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, yeah, it, it is sad. But, and, and she's definitely been one of those figures, like what you said, Alejandro, like kind of fighting for, women's football kind of as one of these representatives and like you said Emily even if you don't watch a lot of women's football you you know the name I mean I always joke uh, my cousin's called Farah so I always remember her name anyway but um but yeah it's definitely a name that that people remember and people will remember you know for, for a long time now um 
heading over to Germany uh, to look at um, some of the games over there. And, you know, Bayern Munich are still at the top of the table, only just. Um, I say only just. Um, of course, they were finally beaten by Hoffenheim three goals to two last week. They just about managed a 3-2 win over Potsdam as well. Alejandro, do you think that their slight wobble in the league is just a result of a tired team that's been at the top of their game all season? Yeah, it's. I think we can we can consider this a small a small failure and don't and don't put the title of Bayern Munich in danger because they have been the best team during this season. They have, uh, they have had almost no rival in Bundesliga. So, I think they they can they can win the title easily and maybe this a small the small problem it can be because okay it was uh, before us a week where they played a very important game of Champions League. And it, it and maybe they have the the brain thinking on Chelsea rather than uh, Hoffenheim. Yeah, um, I I mean, Emily, with with Potsdam and Hoffenheim both challenging Bayern, do you think that this proves that perhaps the gap between Bayern and Wolfsburg versus you know some of those other teams in the league who are kind of just behind them, do you think it kind of proves that that gap maybe is not as big as we first thought? Yeah, I mean, I think it might be slightly smaller, but at the same time, for me, I think Bayern and Wolfsburg still sit in their own territory within the league. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that other teams like Hoffenheim, Potsdam, maybe even Leverkusen, you know, they have their own um, level on points with Potsdam, kind of the same um, match results within the season. So those three teams have the ability to challenge the top two 100%. Um, and, you know, they, two of them have done it so far. So I think going like into the future, it'll be interesting to see if they can close the gap even more. But for the time being, Bayern and Wolfsburg for me still sit slightly above. Um, even just as an example, like um, the two I just mentioned, the top two, they've only lost one game each. Yeah. Whereas the next lowest is third place Hoffenheim, but they've lost six. So that kind of gives you an insight. There still might be a slight gap, but I think it can definitely close. Um, pretty soon too. I wouldn't be surprised next season if it does. Yeah, I I I agree. Would it will be interesting to see next season if the if the gap does close a little bit more. If you know maybe Potsdam and Hoffenheim, if they maybe get a couple of other players in, or you know it will be interesting to see if they are able to close that gap. Um, I mean looking at Wolfsburg, they got a four nil win over Duisburg. Um, Alejandro, what do you think about Wolfsburg's? their performances since their Champions League exit. Do you think that they've done well, kind of similar to, to Leon in the game that they've recently played, do you think that they've done well to refocus back to the league and the cup? Yeah, I think they they have done well to refocus on the league. I think it's now is the, the big the main chance they have to fight for the league and they have it's the moment where they can fight for to get a title this season. So, I mean, looking at the Wolfsburg game, four different players scored the goals, which, as I've mentioned, I love to see. Um, we've spoken before about how Wolfsburg have, you know, kind of lost some of their biggest players recently, you could argue. Um, Emily, if they are able to keep their current squad this summer, do you think that they have enough to compete next season? Or do you still think that, you know, some new signings are needed? Uh, you know, I think they'll be looking through the market to get some extra players if they can. 
obviously one of the biggest losses was Primo Harder going to Chelsea. Um, and in my opinion, they haven't really been able to find a replacement just yet. You know, Alexander Pop, she does a lot for the team. Yeah. But it's not, it's, um, it's just not enough. You know, Harder had so many goals in every competition. Um, but of course, finding a replacement for her is easier said than done. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they head to the market for a few more players, you know, a fresh boost, set them off on the right foot going forward. And maybe, depending on what happens this season, take back their title if Bayern can hold on. So it'll be interesting. But um, yeah, I think they'll be looking to add a few. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think they definitely, I think they need a refresh. I think I'm I'm glad that, um, you know, they've managed to bounce back from the Champions League, like I mentioned, and they've been putting in a couple of good performances. Um, but obviously that can't hide the fact that they have, of course, like you've mentioned, they've lost They've lost definitely one amazing player, that's for sure. So I think a, a bit of a reboost in some areas would definitely be good. Um, I mean, a few months ago, we assumed, definitely on this podcast, some of the guests, you know, we kind of assumed that Bayern Munich would win this league, you know, by a great number of points. You know, it was a massive gap between them in our own minds, maybe. Now only two points separate Bayern and Wolfsburg. The two teams meet, um, I think, next week. Alejandro, how important is this fixture and do you think Wolfsburg have a chance? Because this could be massive. Of course, really, they have a chance. I don't I don't think Bundesliga in Frauen Bundesliga is now only Bayern and then all, all the rest of the teams. Uh, we are seeing that Wolfsburg, even if they have lost important players, they are still a very important team. They they are they have a lot of history behind, they have a lot of uh, tradition. And also they are going to compete until the last second. But also uh, we have seen during the season that any team in Bundesliga can beat the other team. The other teams, for example, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. They have also developed this season the women's football program on a very good way. They have also developed a wonderful uh, women's football program, and they are in, and they are growing so fast. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen, of course, they are doing the same. So. Bundesliga is not as uh, as one team uh, competition as we th- as we think normally. Yeah, I, I agree definitely. It's it's definitely good, and I think it's so good to see that there is still that competition. It may not be directly with Bayern, but that teams are still improving and growing, and it's only a matter of time before there's going to be even more teams, you know, in the mix. Um, but yeah, definitely looking forward to Bayern against Wolfsburg. Massive, massive game. Um, Finally, to finish things off this week for our hot topic, it is, of course, the Champions League. Um, Last week was the first leg of the semi-finals, um, and the two games, you know, they were brilliant games for the neutrals. I mean, we'll kick off with PSG and Barcelona. It ended 1-1. Jennifer Hermoso, she headed Barcelona ahead in the first half. Later, she did leave the pitch with her ankle heavily strapped. Maybe she's going to be a doubt um, for the second leg on Sunday. Um... Emily, should Barcelona be concerned or do you think, you know what, they've got enough stars in their team, they'll be all right? Honestly, I think they'll be pretty concerned um, just because of how crucial Hermoso is for the squad. Mm. You know, right now she's leading the UCL scoring charts too. So she's always looking to get the ball into the back of the net um, and super dynamic player as well. Hard to defend, um, which we saw in the PSG game. So they're going to have plenty of nerves, I think, Um Barcelona actually played earlier on today and Hermoso wasn't part of the squad so she was out for that so maybe the time you know the recovery process will kind of lean towards in her favor but you know they'll be holding their breath I think for sure so 
hopefully she can get back to full fitness and make an appearance, but it's going to be a nervy few days for Barca. Definitely nervy. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, fingers crossed she does, um, she does manage to recover, but sometimes you see this happen um, and, you know, players maybe come back when they shouldn't really be coming back and they end up injuring themselves more or something. Hopefully none of that happens. Um, and hopefully she can come back and just be fully fit. Um, I mean, looking at PSG, of course, Kadidiatu Diani was injured. This meant that Alana Cook, uh, who got PSG's goal, she was deployed as right back, meaning that Ashley Lawrence was moved into the attack to kind of help fill the void, which, which seemingly did work. However, Alejandro, do you think that the scoreline reflects the game? I mean, PSG's goalkeeper definitely had to put in some serious work. There were a couple of complaints about the refereeing. Did the scoreline reflect the game? Uh, the, sco- the scoreboard uh, reflected a game that it was very tight, very, 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 very hard. But I think uh, UEFA should review the the problem of referring because. We saw a referring and we saw very many actions that if they have only if they have installed VAR in this in these competitions, the, the game will have improved so much because really we saw that uh, in 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 in, in the, before the half time, Mappy Leon uh, had a tremendous penalty against her and the referee didn't call it. Mm. It was really how can that be possible? And also uh, many other actions that they weren't called. Uh, PSG uh, used a lot of physical, physical uh, play, f- physical effort during the game. And the curious thing is that the 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 the, the refereeing controversy came so high that in Spain even a show like El Chiringuito that they don't usually speak about women's football, uh, the the host mentioned the problem of the of this first game. So. It's going to be very, very, very hard boiling in the in the in the second leg. How the referee they she will be seen. Yes, definitely. Um, and we'll discuss a little bit more about refereeing and the Champions League, etc., a little bit later. But um, like I say, it's one-one. Um, what are your predictions for the second leg, if you can even possibly call it, Emily? What about you? You know, I think Barcelona are going to find a way to do it. Yeah, um, That's who I have heading into the final. So I don't think they're going to sit back against PSG. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but Barca just have an incredible defensive record. Yeah, Like it's um, outstanding, really, for them to concede um, the one that they, did, that they did a few days ago. They're going to be a little frustrated and they're going to want to keep the scoreline down in the game coming up because they don't want to go out on away goals. So... I think they're going to have that in the back of their mind. They're going to jump off quickly right from the start. And yeah, that's who I have um, going through to the final. So we'll see. Hmm. I, I agree. I've been flip-flopping a little bit, but I've kind of been thinking the same about Barcelona. But Alejandro, what do you reckon? Uh, I think also Barcelona is the favorite to get into the final. That hmm. is something you cannot discuss because they are playing at home. They will play even with fans. And it will be a it will be a game that everyone uh, that goes there will root for Barca to to advance to the next round. Mm. But I wouldn't mind to have a game where we had an extra time or, or even penalties. Ooh. That would mean th- th- those drama will be so nice to watch. 
and I think also even PSG has a, has a chance to go to go to the final without spending a extra time if they uh, they make an extra effort in defense and they and Tian Erler has another day like the one she had in in the first leg in Paris. Yeah, it's. I mean, I love that as a neutral when you're watching something and you're like, yeah, let's have penalties, let's have some drama because you just you're not as invested. So it's okay that there's drama. You're not going to get as nervous. Your palms will not start sweating. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 all for a bit of drama to be honest. Um, but yeah, that that game. Oh, it's going to be so exciting. Um. I mean, looking at the other game, Bayern Munich did come out on top against Chelsea with that 2-1 victory. Now, considering Chelsea were away from home, their possession was still great. They'd got an away goal. Emily, all things considered, was this actually maybe a, a good result for the team? You know, I think it was the best thing Emma Hayes could have asked for, really. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't anticipate Bayern coming out as strong as they did, I have to be honest. Same. Um, and I think that kind of sent shockwaves through the Chelsea squad. Like, okay, this is a different a different level, and rightfully so, because it's a semifinal. But, um, you know, they went down through an unusual miscue from Anne-Katrine Berger. That was kind of an interesting play when you watched it back. You know, she missed the punch in the air. Hmm. But the goal that you brought up as well, Angelina, the away goal, as much as a fluke as it was... Um, you know, Melanie Leupold is going to be thanking the footballing gods yes. that went into the back <laughs> of the net. Um, they could have so easily have been down 2-0, and that would have changed the second leg tie on its head. You know, they wouldn't have um, as much momentum, let's say. So this away girl's crucial. I think it'll be a really, really tight 90 minutes. Who knows? Maybe penalties for this one. We don't know. But yeah, I think they're still in it, definitely. I, I agree. I mean, for but Bayern Munich, they proved their quality, you know, by getting the job done at home. Um, Alejandro, who was the most impressive for you uh, for Bayern? Mm, really, I like everything from Bayern Munich. They played very well, but I will, I'll say that I like especially Loman. Uh, yeah. I like, I like Sydney Loman how she played. She was twenty years old and she showed a tremendous, uh, tremendous quality on the midfield. Uh, leading against a Chelsea that maybe is even better team than Barcelona, I would say. Mm. And it was such a wonderful performance. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, there were some mistakes from Chelsea. The first goal, you know, for Bayern Chelsea. Defensively, you maybe could, uh, you could blame them. Um, there were, you know, a, a couple of missed chances. Emily, what did Chelsea need to do to win the second leg of this fixture? Um, I think the number one thing on Emma Hayes' list is going to be find a way to get Sam Kerr more involved. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was just swarmed. Bayern really, really isolated her. They frustrated her. She couldn't get a lot of time on the ball. And even same goes for um, Fran Kirby as well. You know, those two have just been at the top of your game for Chelsea all season. So coming into the first leg, you know exactly that Bayern are going to be like, okay, we have to shut these two specifically down. We have to silence them. And they did that pretty well. Um, so I think in the second leg, you know, they're playing at home. They're going to be a little bit more comfortable. So I think if Kerr and Kirby can, you know, work their magic as they have been throughout the season, it'll be um, a huge boost for Chelsea. So that's the main thing that I think has to change. 
fingers crossed. And I mean, if anybody can achieve it, you would like to think that Emma Hayes is uh, is mm-hmm. the woman who can get the job done. Um, I mean, um, Emily, what's what's your prediction for the second leg, if you can even predict? You know, as much as I was just um, talking a lot about Chelsea and how I think they can do it, I actually think Bayern might edge them slightly. I think they'll have a way um, of just with their momentum. You know, they're holding a 2-1 advantage right now. Any away goal is going to be a massive boost for them, given mm. that they already have a win in their pocket. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This, Like you said, Angelina, Emma Hayes is just so incredible. And who knows what she's going to pull out of her back pocket. So it's going to be tight, but I'll go Bayern Barca in the final. So that's that's who I have. Okay, Alejandro, how about you? I think it will be Bayern PSG. Okay. I think the final will be Bayern PSG because I think Bayern beating Chelsea. I see Bayern beating Chelsea in the semi-final after the, fair, the good performance on the, on the on the first leg. I see even Chelsea has they have played harder that maybe for me is the best player in the world nowadays, mm-hmm. and they have a wonderful team. I think that the that bad result on the first leg it will be so hard to come back for them. Yeah, I mean. I want to be positive for Chelsea just because they're the only English team left in the competition and there is just something really, really likeable about Emma Hayes and how she just, like, she's one of those coaches that you can tell she loves her job so much, she has so much respect and admiration for her players, but at the same time, you know not to annoy her, you know not to get on the wrong side of her. Um, and she's kind of got that sternness, but also, like I say, you can tell that she just loves her job so much. And I just really want to see them get to this final. I just think it would be amazing. Um, so just to switch things up, because we've all gone with different ones, I'll go with Barcelona, uh, Chelsea for the final. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, speaking of the Champions League, um, there has been some news announced this week that the sport is set to receive a four-fold increase in financial support from UEFA's revamped Champions League. So the new model is set to be introduced for the 2021-22 season and it will ensure 24 million euros is redistributed to benefit the sport across Europe. So clubs not playing in the Champions League will actually receive 23% of that figure. Alejandro, what is your response to this news? Really, an increase on, on the money for the women's football is always good news, but I see it, I see it very, very few, very few compared to, compared to men's football generates. Yeah. I think I, I know uh, women's football is growing up. That is that is a fact. They are it's been developing and growing up so fast. But uh, I hope in the future those twenty four million euro can be double, triple, or even or even four or five times more. Yeah. Yeah, I I get what you mean. It's one of those situations where it's like, this is good, but we maybe need more. Um, Another change we'll see, video assistant referee technology previously only available in the final, used from the quarterfinal onwards, which is obviously what you touched on, Alejandro, about them needing VAR earlier on in the competition. So, you know, this is... A great thing. I mean, Emily VAR is heavily debated across the sport in men's football and women's football. However, I think whether you support the technology or not, this is surely good news that at least it's being offered more. Oh, I absolutely agree. 
Um, I think Alejandro already brought it up earlier, but yeah, when I was watching the Barca PSG game, it was some of the refereeing was sometimes I was like, okay, um, <laughs> we'll see how this goes after yeah. the match and how people will react with some decisions. Um, but so this is a huge improvement for sure, bringing in VAR. Um, it's just a matter of time until it's available in every part of the tournament, like in the men's game, rather than just the quarterfinals up. I find, I personally think that's kind of an interesting decision to only have it in half the tournament, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's a great intention. Um, hopefully, like I said, we can get it across the entire tournament because who's to say something doesn't, something drastic doesn't happen in like the round of 16. Like you're never, you're never going to know. So yeah. hopefully they can bring it back and put it in all parts. Um, but bringing it into more games rather than just the final is huge. So even in ties that we have coming up with these semifinals, who knows what's going to happen. And maybe VAR could have adjusted it or done it differently. Who knows? So I think it's a, a big improvement. Yeah, big, big, big improvement. And it's, it is great to see. Um, but like you say, you know, these things that we've, we've just spoken about are great, but I guess you, you kind of want more sometimes. I mean, one thing that for me, I think is, it's kind of crazy that this wasn't even in place and you, I could sit and get really angry about it, but it's like clubs will also be permitted to make changes to their squad to cover for maternity leave. Um, you know, the fact that that wasn't even considered beforehand, you know, makes my blood boil, but at least, you know, it's now been put in place and these changes have been described as a giant step forward by UEFA president Alexander Seferin. Now, regarding the money involved, teams who reach the group stage will earn €400,000 and the winner could receive as much as €1.4 million Euros depending on their results during the tournament. Um, the new model will include um, the first ever cross-subsidy -subs from UEFA's men's club comp competition to support the women's game. Alejandro, how important is this in regards to getting women's football on a more equal level when you consider the men's game? You know, like you've like you've mentioned, it's good, but maybe we need more to be level, of course. Uh, we need more, of course, but I think that, for example, you mentioned before this maternity, the cover of maternity leave, that it was described as a giant step forward. I disagree completely with Seferin, and I think it's not a giant step forward, it's the recognition of a basic right, really. Yeah. Uh, you, we, we, were, we, were, we are speaking here about equality, we are speaking about all rights, and, but we, until now it wasn't recognized the right of a player to be mother. That's, that's something, it's, it's so... It's, it's crazy that it wasn't in place beforehand, isn't it? It's crazy and really it's something that it shouldn't, it should be in, uh, it, it shouldn't be news. To be honest, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be news. It should. It should be a, a normal thing, but it. But it now. I hope that the that the teams they they are they they get they get also com uh, committed with this with this team, and and they and they consider this an important uh, topic to 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 make make an effort about, and about the second topic you are talking about the money involved. I mentioned before. It's okay. It's mo much more money than 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 now, mm -hmm. but it's it's not still enough. I think uh, women's football has still more potential, and I hope within a, in a in a closer future we can see these numbers 
uh, double or triple uh, tr uh, many times because um, really uh, we are, I was reviewing the, the the Champions League prices for men and I and I was seeing that it was about maybe uh, it was more than almost two billion euro in prices uh, for for Champions League teams. Yeah, I don't know if if you can if you can check the exact number, but it was so much so much difference between men's and women's game. Yeah, and it, and it is it's it's that kind of frustrating thing of. In in some ways, you kind of think at least there is a change, but at the same time, you're thinking, well, no, hang on a minute, let me take a step back from this. Yes, it's a change, but we're due the change anyway, and it should be more. Like you, people, you know, we're allowed to say, you know, like yeah, this is good, but it's not enough, kind of thing. Um, I mean, with these changes now announced, it seems like conditions surrounding women's football are improving. I'll be honest, slowly, but surely. Um, so I'll ask both of you, but Emily, you know, um, Alejandro's kind of, you know, voiced his opinion on a lot of it. What are your thoughts on everything? And also, what is the next change that you would like to see? Uh, I the mean, next... I have to agree with... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you... no, go first, really, go first. Um, I'd say, you know, I have to agree with the two of you. Um, you know, this is good intentions, I guess is the best way I can put it, but it's just not enough yet. Uh, the fact that the gap is this wide and these intentions are trying to close it is good, but you know, it's, the gap is still so, so big. Mm. Um, so, um, looking ahead though, I think the next thing for me would be, it'd be great to see, um, for clubs that have, um, women's teams for, to have the women's and the men's teams in the same training facilities. Yeah. I think that would be um, my thing to focus on in the future. I think the big story earlier this year was about the Liverpool facility. Um, so, you know, hopefully in the future, more teams can use the same facilities rather than separating everything and having one be, yeah, like shortly put, a lot better than the other. Mm. Um, so that would be me. Yeah, I agree with that. How about you, Alejandro? I think that one of the changes that is more aesthetical, but for example, one of the changes I would like to see is, for example, uh, they have the, the uh, UEFA uh, on the press release that they, that they uh, released yesterday. They were talking about they will present a brand new anthem for Women's Champions League. No, I think mm. uh, UEFA Champions League has a wonderful anthem that is known every, everywhere in Europe. Yeah. Uh, it's known by, by boys, girls, men, women, and every kind of person. Uh, they know the Champions League anthem, and I think it should be the the anthem also for Women's Champions League. And another change I would like to see in the future, maybe the introduction of a second tier European competition, as Europa League in men's football, mm -hmm. maybe have a UEFA Women's Europa League. Yeah, I I agree with all of the things that you guys have just said, and that's so interesting about the Champions League because it's like why. It's the same competition. Why do we need to change it? What's what's going to happen if we keep it the same? That it's yeah, probably and, going and to everyone, be more recognised. What's wrong with that? Everyone will recognise Champions League anthem. They yeah. know. They know. They know how to sing it. Yep, definitely. I I completely uh, agree with that one. And um, and also, I'm a I'm a big fan of tricking people that do not that are maybe quite ignorant towards women's football and I love the idea of that sound being on 
and certain people thinking, oh, is there a Champions League game on? And they'll sit down and then it will be a women's game. Um, tricking people like that for maybe I'm a, I'm a bit twisted, but stuff like that kind of makes me laugh. But um, yeah, I agree with everything. I think for me as well, it would be nice to see... Um, I think on a lot of campaigns, I think you're seeing it more now um, where you do see the, um, you know, the the women's players and the men's players for, for a club, you know, both in campaigns. But I think for me, it feels a little bit in advertising, like, oh God, we best just stick a, a, a female player on here. Who can we find? You know, I think if there was a little bit more thought gone into things like that, I think that would be great. Um, and something that we spoke about on the podcast before, probably, uh, you know, some of the timings of some of these matches, um, you know, a, a, a UEFA League semi, a UEFA League, a Champions League even, a Champions League semi-final on a Sunday afternoon, um, it's not giving me the same vibe. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I just, things like that. And I think, you know, like we've said, things are getting better, but I think we're still allowed to maybe complain and, you know, say that, yeah, this is good, but we definitely want more. No, and UEFA has done very good ideas. For example, this idea of having the an, a, a different different venues for the finals of men's and women's Champions League it can be a good idea. Mm. It can be it can be cool. Uh, even even if, for example, I I miss because when when it was the final in Madrid in 10, 11 years ago, it was played in close to Madrid, and and I was and I was able to watch uh, the final, and uh, it but but really it's. It's something that is is going to develop the game, and I hope that uh, this this finally ends ends up being we have better players, we have better show, and we have a be- better everything. I I agree. I couldn't have put it better myself. Better everything. Um, and you know what? Let's just hope that maybe as we go into the summer, there's maybe going to be more announcements. You know, we've had quite a few recently about broadcasting deals and now this Champions League news. So, you know, fingers crossed things will, um, you know, things have started as they mean to go on. So that's everything for today's One Football Women's Football Podcast. As always, a big, big thank you to my guests, to Alejandro and to Emily for joining me. And of course, to all of you for listening. Don't forget, if you've got any questions for us, it is podcast at onefootball.com. And if you want to listen to some of the other podcasts that we have here, do not forget to head over to the likes of iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. to have a listen. 